Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Giuliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. I have been so looking forward to doing this series because it is so impacting. It's impacting upon me. Why is that? Because I honestly believe that God has got bigger and better things for us than our wildest imaginations. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we ask or think. You know, God's got the above and beyond blessing for us, but so often we live at the below and under stage of life. Amen. So I'm, I'm, this, what I'm going to do this morning is just lay the foundation for this theory, the theological foundation of it. And uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 12, and uh, we begin with the Abrahamic blessing, and then we'll move on to the Mosaic. And just for you to understand that God has got amazing special promises for you. So Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, the foundation of the promised land blessing is here. This is what it says, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 verses. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. You know, this scripture is so, so important for me personally. Because this is the scripture that God used to get me to Chatswood. And uh, we, we were in Campbelltown over 20 years ago. And God spoke to Anne and I so clearly and said, Leave the place that you know to go to a place that you don't know to receive a blessing that you don't have, to receive an inheritance you don't have. And so we, we, we got shaken out of our nest, shaken out of our comfort zone and released into the unknown in order to start the journey to get here. That was over 21 years ago. And in the last 21 years, Anne and I have been blessed beyond measure. We wake up every single day and say, Lord, we are just so blessed. We can hardly contain it. We, can ha- we hardly know what to do with ourselves because we are just so blessed. And this morning, you, you heard just, just a little glimpse of some of the things that we as a church are involved in. What a blessing it is to be a blessing to others. And so here it is, verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. See, this is, this is the beautiful thing that God wants to do. He not only wants to bless you, but he wants you to be a blessing. He doesn't just want you to, 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 to just receive the blessing. He wants you to be able to channel the blessing. I just love that, 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 that I'm blessed to be a blessing. You know, I, I, I can enjoy it as much as I want, but I don't want to keep it just to me. I want to pass it on. And then it says in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There are three things here that are just so important in laying the foundation for the Promised Land series. And the three things is this. Number one, that God wants to bring you to a place of you being blessed individually. Everybody say, I want to be blessed. We, we pray that. When you meet somebody, say, God bless you. Blessing is, is such a beautiful thing. And it starts at number one. The promised land is where you are blessed individually. But that's not where it stops. 
See, see, God not only wants to bless you, but he then wants to make you an example of blessing. And so, and so here he says to Abraham, you know, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You know, this, this is the plan of God to so bless you that he can actually pinpoint you and say, this is what I do to people that serve me. This is, have a look, have a look at this person, because that's exactly what God did with, uh, with Job, was bragging about him. Say, hey, have you seen my servant Job? See, have a look at what I've done. Yeah, yeah, but you protect him. Absolutely. And not only protects you, he blesses you, because God wants to make you an example of what his servants look like. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Hey, world, have a look. At the people that serve me, how I bless them. Have a look, everybody. This is what I do to people that serve me. He wants to make you an example, an example of blessing. And number three, he wants you to be a place of blessing to others. Just this channel of being able to, 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 to not be the bottom of the pile where you're needing help all the time. What is the matter with that? You know, I, this mindset that Christians have to be the, the poorest and the most, the, you know, the down and outs that, you know, everybody has to help. No, no, he's God's will for you to be at a place where you can be a blessing to others, where you can help others. What a joy it is to be able to turn up in Hungary and build a church for a church in Hungary. What a blessing it is. And the reason we're able to do that is because God's blessed us in order to be a blessing. What an incredible thing it is for Kathy uh, to say to us, listen, I've got this incredible need. I, I don't know where I can find the money. I just don't know where I can find $500 a month for two years to get an assistant so I can be released to raise up thousands of counselors across the Arab land. 500 bucks a month? Is that all it takes? We can do that. How many of you believe we can do that? How many of you believe that? I'm sure that by the end of the service, Anne, you're going to get so many people say, I've been blessed and I can make a difference in Egypt, in the Arab land, and help these wonderful people get released to be a blessing to others. So, so here's God speaking to Abraham. But we are the children of Abraham right now. And so God was not only speaking to Abraham, get out of the world and into the promised land. He's speaking to us, get out of the world, get out of negative thinking, get out of stinking thinking, get out of smallness of thinking and come into the promises of God. But it took so many centuries between Abraham and Moses for that to begin to happen. And so then you come to Moses 600 years later. And you find that there's this incredible story beginning in Exodus of the children of Israel leaving Egypt and making their journey to the promised land. I'm going to leave some of that for the remainder of the series. But I, I, I want to speak to you for a little while about what the promised land looks for you and what it looks for me. What, what, what is this promised land? We know what it looked like for the children of Israel because it was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was borders. It was, it was soil. But what does the promised land look for you and me in the 21st century? I'm so glad you asked that question because here's the answer. The Bible is full of promises. Have you, have you tried to count some of the promises in the Bible? I, I did some research on this to find out how many promises there are in the Bible. 
Well, a, a guy called George Mueller, he wrote a book called The, the, book, of, uh, the book of Bible Promises, and he calculated there were about 30,000. 30,000 promises. Um, most commentators are happy to settle on 7,000. And uh, you know, the, the fact is that even 7,000 promises is way beyond what our mind can even grasp. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I worked out my top seven, not the top 7,000, but my top seven. And so I call them the magnificent seven. Who wants to hear my top seven? Top seven. Here it is. My sin's forgiven. How many of you know that's probably the most important? And, and here's the promise of God in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It says, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that awesome promise to have? That I don't have to live under the condemnation that one day I'm going to be confronted with all my sins because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from some of my sins. Is that what the Bible says? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from some of our sins. What does the Bible say? From all sins, every single sin. How many of you know that's a great blessing to have? Here's another one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have... What an incredible promise. I'm going to have everlasting life. I have the promise of eternal life. I'm going to live forever. What an incredible thing it is. So I don't fear death because for me, death is transition from one state of being to another state. He's a promise of God. I'm going to have eternal life. But, But you know what? There's more. Not only eternal life for the future, But there's abundant life right now. John 10.10 tells us, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Come on. God doesn't want us to have mediocre life. He wants us to have abundant life. And that abundant life is that superabundance of above and beyond. The above and beyond blessings of God. Do you know what? Anne and I enjoy the above and beyond blessing of God. Wherever we go, we just love that over the top. And, uh, you know, I mean, my sister came on holidays with us. And she says, I'm so glad that we're on holidays with you. I says, why is that? Because when we're on holidays by ourselves, it's rained every single day. (laughs) But now that we're on holidays with you guys, it's sunny every day. It's just amazing. It's like God follows you. And it's the above and beyond blessing. It's just, I'm telling you, we just can't contain ourselves because God chases us down to bless us. It's this abundant life that God wants you to have. He's another one. His presence. Hebrews 13 verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence. Wow, what a promise to have God's presence wherever you go. The presence of God. Are you aware of God's presence? I, I, I just love every now and then I just get slam dunked by God. You know, I'm driving the car and all of a sudden, kaboom, I feel God's presence. And you know what happens to me when I feel God's presence? I just start crying. And so I'm driving the car and tears are pouring down my face. Other people are thinking that poor man, he must be going through such a hard time. Crying, he might have lost his dog or his cat. Let's not even mention cats. But, um, but it's the presence of God. It's just the presence of God. It just slam dunks me. What a beautiful thing. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wherever you're going through life, he's God's presence with you. He's another one. He's peace. 
His peace. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world knows. Let not your heart be troubled. The peace of God. How many people are in such need of peace? Why? Because they're so stressed. They're so anxious. They're so troubled. And God says, But I want to give you peace. I'm the God of peace. I'm the Prince of Peace. I am your shalom. The peace of God, that's God's promise. God, not only God's presence and God's peace, but God's provision. He's going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Philippians 4.19. What an incredible blessing that is to know that whatever needs you have, God already knows it. He's already prepared it. Why don't, why don't you look at the birds of the air? They neither sow nor, nor reap, yet God supplies all their needs. Have you seen the lilies of the valley, how beautifully clothed they are, how gorgeous they are? Have looked at a flower and thought, wow, you are so beautiful. Well, they don't stress there. God provides their clothes. God provides food for the bears, the, the birds of the air. You know, and, and what about you? Aren't you more important than a lily of the field or a bird from the air? So, so don't be anxious. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, these things are going to be added to you. Why? Because he's Jehovah Jireh, the God that supplies all your needs. He's, there's 7,000 promises. And I've just given you just a few little tidbits. Here's, here's another one more, one more. One, just one more. And then I'll finish. It's his enabling. He's enabling. Just, you don't have to do things by yourself. If God is for us, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, who, who can be against us? Oh, come on. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, who can be against you if God is for you? If God is for you, who can be against you? Romans 8, 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You're facing a battle. You know what? God's bigger than your battle. You're facing a giant. You know what? God's bigger than your giant. He's making you more than a conqueror. Understand this, that God enables you to win the battle. There's seven. I've just given you seven promises out of thousands of promises. Guys, you've got to enter the promised land of God's promises. That these are not just words, but they're actual realities that you can step into and enjoy. Anne and I have lived our lives right from the beginning enjoying this. You know, this is the amazing thing. It was, it was 1970, it was 1980. So it's 38 years ago. Here we are, we just kids, we're... 19 years of age, 18, 19 years of age. And we're contemplating our future. We're contemplating whether, number one, whether God wanted us to get married. And so, and so we were praying, saying, God, show us, you know, is this, is this your will or not? And both of us happened to open up to the book of Deuteronomy. Individually, not knowing that that was part of our devotional life. We're talking March of 1980, 38 years ago. And God was speaking to her out of the book of Deuteronomy. And God was speaking to me out of the book of Deuteronomy. And what he spoke was this. You're about to enter the promised land. And this gift, and, and to me was a gift of, of, of God for my future. And I could see this. And, and vice versa, I was a gift to her for her future. We could see this. But then God began to speak about the abundance of blessing that he was going to give us if we pursued him and followed him. This is 38 years ago. 
You know, in 38 years down the track, I can say that God has been good to us. God has been good to us because we decided back then that we were going to pursue the promises of God and enter into the promises of God. And I so want this for you. I so want for you to be led into the promised land. I so want you to be led into the promises of God. I don't want you to be swayed. I don't want you to be sidetracked. I don't want you to be tempted by the enemy to go the wrong way when God's got the promises for you. He's got the best life for you. Not the second rate life, but the very, very best, the numero uno life God has planned for you. So how do you get it? How do you get your best life? Okay, that's a great question. So in order to answer that question, let's open up to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, because I want to talk to you about a man called Caleb. How many of you heard of Caleb? So let me give you the background to Numbers 14. So he's Moses, led the children of Israel. Are you with me? Are you following this? So he's the children of Israel. They come out of Egypt. They've gone, you know, the whole 10 plague things, the Red Sea thing, gone through the world, gone up to Mount Sinai, got the Ten Commandments, the whole nine yards, get to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And right in front of them, there it is, the promised land. And so they decide to send out 12 spies. How many remember that song in Sunday school? Twelve spies went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad. Two were good. How many remember that song? Just Anne and I. <laughs> Cynthia, you remember that one as well? There you go. So that's, that obviously says there's some fossils right there. Some old people. Okay, because we don't sing those sort of songs in Sunday school anymore. But anyway, the point that I make is this. Twelve spies. Ten were bad, two were good. And the two good ones was Caleb and Joshua. So they go out. And, this is, and so then they return. And, and, and let me read to you the report that they gave. Here it is in, num, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. This is the report. Sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, it's Numbers 13, not 14. It's Numbers 13. Um, I want to start with verse 13, uh, chapter 13, and um, verse 27. So they came back and they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So they brought back some fruit from the land. Nevertheless, so here it is. It is truly the promised land. It flows with milk and honey. We even brought some fruit back. But... Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And what's more, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the descendants of Anak were giants. We saw giants there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. And here it is, verse 30. Then Caleb quietened the people before Moses and said, Come on, guys, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. But the men who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land 
which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Then we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So they gave the bad report. But here's Caleb giving a great report. And what you find is that later on in Joshua, the next book in Joshua chapter 14, 40 years later, Caleb is 80 years of age. And you know what his attitude was? Hey, it's taken me 40 years to wander around the wilderness with these people of no faith. But I feel as strong now in my 80s as I did back then when I was in my 40s. Give me the mountain. And not only give me the mountain, I want the mountain where the giants dwell. I, I, I want that mountain. Why is that? Because God is for me. So, so what is it? What is it that Caleb had that they, that they didn't have? Because, you know, what happened with this bad report is that all these people, all these people that were ready to enter the promised land ended up dying in the wilderness. Some commentators say three million people. Somewhere between one million and three million people, they all died in the wilderness. They, they, yeah, they didn't die in Egypt. They were saved from Egypt. But they didn't get to the best. They got to okay. But they didn't get to the best. But here's Caleb. He ended up getting there. Why? Three things. How many of you are interested in the three things? Are you interested in what Caleb had that the rest didn't have? Here it is. Number one, obedience. Obedience. They weren't willing to obey. But Caleb said, you know what? If God said it, let's do it. Caleb was willing to say, yes, Lord. Come on, let's practice it. After three. One, two, three. Yes, Lord. Oh, come on, some of you don't sound too convinced. We're going to try it one more time. After three, we're going to say, yes, Lord. Are you ready? One, two, three. Yes, Lord. Two very simple words, but with huge implications. Obedience is saying, yes, Lord. Not, no, I don't know. I'm not sure. Just say, yes, Lord. Can I just say that? One of the reasons that Anne and I have entered into the promises of God for our lives is because we were willing to say, yes, Lord. We didn't understand it all. We didn't have all the bottom line. There were so many things that were left unsaid. But if God was in it, our attitude is, God, you're in it, we're in it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Do you know your conversion started with you saying, yes, Lord. Your salvation, your sal- the beginning of your journey started when you said, yes, Lord. You know... Paul is on the road to Damascus, persecuting Christians. He has this this encounter with God. Yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do. That was the beginning of his apostleship by saying, yes, Lord. The beginning of your journey with God. Your beginning of entering out of Egypt and into the promised land is saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just say yes. Just say yes. Can I just tell you this? Many people will try to give you their secrets to success. You can go to motivational seminars and everybody has got, you know, five points to success. And everybody's trying to tell you success is this, success is that. You know what I've learned? Success is saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. What do you want me to do, Lord? Just say yes to Jesus. 
Can you say, yes, Lord? It's not that complicated, but too many people make it complicated. Yes, Lord. Hey, John, I want you to be faithful. Yes, Lord, I'm going to be faithful. John, I want you to love your wife. Yes, Lord, I'm going to love my wife. John, I want you to love your church. Yes, Lord, I'm going to love my church. John, I want you to love the down and outs. Yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. This is, this is what stopped Adam and Eve right in the Garden of Eden from fulfilling. They got kicked out of the promised land. You know why? Because they said, no, Lord. No, we're going to eat. We're going to disobey. Come on. Would you say, yes, Lord? Whatever you're facing right now, you've got to say, yes, Lord. Not my will, but your will be done. But God, it's difficult what you're asking me to do. Let me tell you what's harder, saying no, Lord. That's what's harder. Because you don't get that God only wants the best for you. What, that's what you don't get. And that's what Adam and Eve didn't get in the Garden of Eden. They didn't get that God wanted the best for them. So here's the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine living in this incredible garden where it's all laid out for you and, and, and they're thinking, well, there might be something better. What are you talking about? He's God giving you the best and you're thinking there's something better. The enemy will tempt you away from the best because he makes his worst seem his best. And then when the sugar coating disappears, you find it's poison. Promises so much, delivers so little. And yet God will always deliver what he promises. Just say yes. Here's point number two. There are giants to face. You've got to face your giants. You want the promised land? You're not going to get it without facing some giants. No, no, but I want it laid on. No, no, there are giants to face. But, but, but that's, not my, that's not my dream. My dream is to have it laid on. And God says, my dream is for you to face giants. What? That's, that's not what I want. I don't want to face giants. Well, you can't enter the promised land. This is the problem with the children of Israel. He's God saying, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you defeat the giants. But I don't want to fight giants. Well, you're not going to get the promises of God if you don't face your giants. And some of you have got giants of fear that you've got to face every single day. But you know what? You can either back down from your giant or stand toe-to-toe to your giant. You can either look at... See, see, this is the problem with so many of us is that we're more focused on the giant than we are on God. Because as soon as you start to focus on God, you start to see how little your giant is. Because God is so huge and so immense. When you're looking up at God like this saying, wow, look how big you are. Then you look at your giant. And you look at God, you look at your giant, you look at God. All of a sudden, the giant comes into perspective under the shadow of God. But if you're not looking at God, your giant is so big because it's bigger than you. And you know what? God wants to confront you with things that are bigger than you to show you the immensity of him. And that's all that God wanted to do with the children of Israel. Say, you know what? You need to fight your giants so that your faith is built up to see how big I am. Don't run away 
away from your giants because you stay small. You become grasshoppers. And that's the attitude of them. They said, no, in their sight, we're grasshoppers. Rather than saying, God, with you on our side, we are just huge. We are just so big. You've got to face your giants. And number three, my time is up. Three things that Caleb knew about possessing the land was, number one, you've got to obey. You've got to say, yes, Lord. Number two, you've got to face your giants. And number three, you have to enter into battle. You've got to fight. You've got to battle. You've got to fight. You just can't put your feet up and, and just say, come on, bring it on. I'm just going to pray for prosperity. I'm just going to pray for the blessing. I'm just going to sit here, do nothing, and it's all going to come. No, you've got to fight. You've got to fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You've got to fight. What? You've got to get into God's presence and do some fighting. It doesn't come overnight. Come on, guys. You've got to fight. And sometimes the fight takes a long time. But it's, the battle is the Lord. Second Chronicle tells us that the battle is the Lord, that God's got this. But you've got to be willing to do your bit. You've got to be willing to do your bit. You know, just this past week, I, we, we, this world had a breakthrough. You know what the breakthrough was? This, this, you, know, you know that North Korea and South Korea met? We were talking about a few weeks ago. There was, there was you know, World War III was about to break out. Nuclear war was going to break out. You know, Rocket Man was going to, you know, Little Rocket Man was about to do his best and whatever. But let me tell you what, what happened in South Korea. John and Esther, these, these are your compatriots. Pastors and people from all of South Korea started to fast and to pray. They started to do some warfare. They started to fight. Do you know that of all the countries in the world, North Korea is number one for persecution of Christians. So when, when you read all the stats regarding the countries that that do the most damage to Christians, it's North Korean, numero uno, number one. And then when you read the facts, one of the incredible countries where Christianity is thriving is South Korea. And we've got this little line that separates the two, and they've been at war for, since 1950. And when, and when the church heard that there was going to be this meeting with King, Kim Jong-un and, and the Korean president, they all started to fast and to pray. And they, and, and they, they had a special meeting at the border where they all went to. And you can read about this in Charisma Magazine. You can read about it. Just Google Charisma Magazine and, and what, what happened last week. And, found, and this is what you find is that God turned this whole thing around. And all of a sudden, King, King Jong-un just said, you know what? We're going to stop persecuting Christians. We're going to allow Christianity in our country. Are you kidding me? How did that happen? How, how did that happen? Some people were not willing just to rest on their laurels. They said, we've got to fight. But we don't fight with fleshly weapons. We fight with spiritual weapons. We enter into the spirit realm of prayer and warfare and fasting and begin to fight for what we believe in. You've got to fight for your family. You've got to fight for your friends. You've got to fight for the salvation of people. You've got to enter into battle. You're not willing to enter into battle. You're not going to see the promises of God. You're not willing to fight for what you believe in. You're not going to see what God wants for you. This is why Caleb had a different spirit. 
because he was willing to obey. He was willing to face his giants and he was willing to fight. Come on, what about you? Are you willing to obey? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord? Whatever you want, I'm willing to do. Not my will, but your will be done. And I say, yes, Lord. In every situation in my life, whatever you want from me, God, I'm going to say yes. When you come knocking at my heart's door and you say, Lord, when you say, God, I, I, I want to come into your life, I'm going to say, yes, Lord, come into my life. Come into my life. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of your journey. And right now, some of you, God's knocking at your door and saying, you know what? You used to be hot for me, but now you're cold. You used to have a fire that burnt in your bones for the things of God. But now you're backslidden. Now you're focused on materialism. Now you're focused on the things of this world. I used to be in, but now I'm out. I'm knocking at your heart's door. I want to come in. And it's time to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's time to restoke the fires of God in your life and let the passion of God burn deep within you. Otherwise, you will not enter the promises of God. You'll stay in the wilderness. You'll stay in the wilderness where you become easy pickings for the enemy. Come on, some of you, 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 there was a stage in your life where you saw the call of God upon your life. God was speaking to you about your future. And you lifted your arms and you said, God, whatever you want me to do. Then things happened and you got disappointed and you got sidetracked. Can I say to you, that it's never too late to say, yes, Lord. It's never too late to say, yes, Lord. And right now, the Spirit of God is coming, knocking at your door, saying, will you submit afresh? Will you face your giants? Will you fight your battles? Will you say, yes, Lord? Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.